From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. In this episode, we're featuring two guests who were live in the studio from the wonderfully productive and innovative consulting firm CFAR, that's C-F-A-R, Nancy Drosdale, and the newly appointed president, Debbie Bing. CFAR is a private firm, and one of their major practice areas is on uh, family businesses, where they emphasize both performance and family relationships. CFAR began as a research center inside the Wharton School and was established as a private management consulting firm in 1987. Nancy, who is a Wharton alum, is a principal at CFAR. She is nationally known for her expertise as a, a thought partner to leaders, successors, and successor candidates across family enterprises. Debbie Bing, now president of CFAR, began at the company almost 20 years ago as a project consultant, and she rose through the ranks. Uh, her ascension to the presidency represents a shift in the next generation from the founders to the, the second generation of leadership within, within their firm. And we talk about this uh, shift and how they're managing it near the end of our conversation. So now, get set to listen and learn about what works in family-run enterprises, what doesn't work, and how all this might apply to your work situation, even if you're not in a family-run organization. Nancy, Debbie, welcome to our show. Thank you, Stu. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, it's, it's wonderful to have you here. So, so since the 80s... When I first started here, uh, CIFAR has been a, a pioneer in advising family organizations. So um, l- let me start with you, Nancy. What's CIFAR's approach to family businesses? What's the, the essence of what you do? The essence of what we did, what we do now and what we did then, uh, and I should mention that the first academic programs, exec ed programs for family businesses were at Wharton when we were inside. Uh, But the essence of what we do is we pay attention to both performance and relationships. So we know uh, that relationships matter. Obviously, it's your family. Uh, You care about people or sometimes you hate these people. Um, Yes, that's important. And obviously, in a business, performance counts. Performance of the business counts. Performance of the people in the business counts. So we integrate both parts. Working on both performance and the family relationships. Yes. So uh, that, of course, gets uh, complicated and confusing and in many co- cases forms all kinds of difficulties. W- what's the current state of affairs, Debbie, in terms of uh, you know how family businesses have evolved since you first entered the field a couple decades back. Are, are things different now, or is it the same The same kinds of dynamics that you saw when you first began? I think things have evolved quite a bit. It's one of the fields that has sort of continued to emerge and become complex. In a way, those working with family businesses um, have had the opportunity to evolve with the businesses themselves if they change. So some specific attributes of that, I think, particularly when Nancy began, a lot of the focus was on the operating company and sort of succession from founders to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, the success statistics of those successions are grim. You know, many businesses that don't make it to the next generation and each generation, it gets harder. I think what we've seen... Each generation after the, after the first, it's increasingly difficult to sustain the life of the family business. Is that what... Yeah, 
Yeah, well, to, to, keep, to keep the business in the family, sort of success was ah. defined that way, right? So hmm. success meant, from a succession perspective, that you could move from a founder to a next generation, transfer the ownership of that business, transfer the leadership of that business. Um, contemplating a sale of the business probably in those days was considered a failure. I think one of the interesting things about the way things have evolved is mm -hmm. that Families have figured out how to continue to do things together, whether that's through the operating company or through other vehicles now. Such so as? Family foundations or selling an original legacy operating company but deciding to invest together or to launch another business together. Hmm. So that the, you know, the glue becomes being in something together with a collective perfect purpose, guided by values, guided by a wish to do this together, and there's lots of ways to do it, whether that's sticking with an operating company that you started way back when, and there are many success stories like that too, right. um, or evolving to different ways of being involved in the world together, different vehicles, lots available now that didn't used to be as obvious. So what do you see as the most interesting or exciting of those uh, innovations in the way that uh, second or third generation family firms are? staying connected on uh, topics or initiatives or uh, issues in the world that, that matter? So I think um, just an example here, we worked with a family whose operating company had been um, focused on kind of early environmental-oriented businesses, you know, in fact, connected to primary resources in oil and in lumber, things like that. So a real environmental focus of, uh, of a way that made sense to the business at that time. Fast forward years later, they succeeded in having this business last a few generations mm -hmm. and then sold when the opportunity came. Now sort of the grandchildren of this original business are in a family foundation together. Uh, the endowment came from the original sale of this business. Mm -hmm. Uh, giving gifts in environmental conservation and going back to look at the way that sort of lumber has changed and the way that they can reinvest in forests. And so, you know, from the outset, in some ways, what may seem like a big shift and at the same time tied to some of the same values and stories that they heard growing up. Wow. So is that more common now? And either one of you can speak to this, uh, you know, with... Uh, the current generation of younger people being more interested in trying to uh, repair our broken, fractured world and, and to, to invest the resources that they have in, in doing social good? I think there are two sides to that. One is that, yes, the younger family members, the mm -hmm. next generation uh, of family members, has an interest in uh, doing what they want to be doing. Uh, and often there is a social component to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other side of it is that their parents or aunts and uncles or grandparents are more open to other ideas. Hmm. Um, so, so, you know, in the old days when yeah. this started, there was the singular operating company and that was it. And you liked it or you didn't, you know. And if you didn't, Nancy, And if you didn't, you happened? went off and did something else. And sometimes you were a bit outside the family. You were a pariah if you rejected you were, the family yeah, heritage. It happened. It happened. Yes. Wow. Um, but now it's more, you, you see that. There's, it, it's more fluid. It's much more fluid hmm. um, in the best of circumstances. Uh -huh. It's much more fluid. There, There's more conversation. I think that's one of the things that's changed is that um, the autocracy that existed across the business universe decades ago uh -huh. no longer exists as prevalently and more conversation is part of this you know it's part of the air people breathe now mm -hmm. um so more two-way uh, yeah. the, the younger I folks mean, speaking all, truth to power of the, the older yeah. folks i mean these are their elders and their parents mm -hmm. and they did you know change their diaper and those sorts of things. So there is some of that, and you better treat me with respect. Right. Um, and that's but, still in the room often. Yeah, <laughs> Even though some of those. When you say still in the room, what, what do you mean by that, Debbie? The memories of changing the diaper or their parental child relationship, even as sort of colleagues in a business context. Yeah. You know, that's one how of does that play out? Could, could, do you have a, a recent example of how someone mentioned the changing of a diaper in, at a board <laughs> meeting? <laughs> Well, you young whippersnapper, I changed your diapers. How dare you challenge my uh, 
my 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 direction for what we ought to be doing. It with might this be line a little more subtle than that, but <laughs> it's still that you know there is a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. There's a power dynamic in in business. There's a power dynamic in families. Mm-hmm. It's not c- completely gone. Well, so how how do you separate that? Because I mean that's that's where you began, Nancy, with you know there's performance and you've got you've got economic interests that you must you must pursue mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with uh, with excellence and with with diligence and discipline, and then you've got you know you're my daughter, you're my son, you're my father, you're my brother. What what are the key challenges in being able to manage both of those uh, in, incredibly important aspects of, uh, of, of of family life? Debbie, you want to start with that? Yeah, I mean, I was, well, as you were talking, what was occurring to me is one example of this, not a full answer yet, but that I think we see parents running businesses with you know adult children working in the business, and things may be going really well, and even in that sense, sometimes. A parent, particularly one who has been around through a period of challenge in the business and maybe helped see it grow over a period of time or Mm -hmm. turned a corner at success, balancing on one hand, they want to share this thing that they've created, Mm -hmm. um, and it's working so far. Their child is here and doing great. They want to share that. They want to pass that on. They they see it as a channel for the talents that they bring, just as it was for them. And on the other hand, sort of understanding the burden as they've lived it Mm -hmm. of what it meant to kind of put their life and energy and work into this business and the and hardship the and the yeah. sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And it may look different today, but sort of with that experience viscerally, the the tension of wanting that, wanting the passion and connection and legacy for your kids and the opportunity. And on, on the other hand, a wrestling with, do I need to protect them from this burden? Would it mm-hmm. be better if I just sent they them should, out? They should follow their passion. Yeah. That's a very common theme. The, our the children older folks, for Nancy, follow, are saying, our children for, should follow their passion. We, they we've given be you the opportunity. You shouldn't be pressured to come into the business. Hmm. And that so that's more common now than it than it was. Yes. Back in the day. Right. Yeah. It's, Although you hmm. know, I think many still feel a lot of pressure that is real or not real to come right. in. We got both sides. I think there's just a lot more diversity in that experience. The other thing that is um, uh, part of our what we see is that there are businesses that are now siblings, cousins, so the patriarch is no longer there. Mm-hmm. The business has successfully made a transition to a next generation. Terrific. And then they have to figure out how to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and cousins is another step in that evolution of a successful family business. So is that is that who typically comes to you? Uh, why does somebody seek out your services? What's the typical presenting uh, case, if you will? Uh, why does somebody get on the phone and say, hey, we need help? They have a business challenge, and sometimes they point to a family member as a major contributor to that business challenge. So it's the intertwining of person and role and business uh, and how do you so, you know how do you figure out what really is needed here so I'm trying to groom my son to be my successor right. but he's he's screwing up I don't know Comes what to in do late, Can you, help me? you know whatever enjoys long holidays doesn't have what it takes don't know if he has what it takes doesn't, and doesn't know what I knew doesn't know what I knew and mm-hmm. sometimes coming in late means coming in at 7 and not 6 a.m. Right, so, so different expectations <laughs> yes. as to what success very might look like very different expectations so, there's a, so the presenting problem for you is often a, a combi- a, like the merged sense of yeah there's an economic problem there's a business problem and it's, and it's being caused by a, a family member who's not cutting it yeah, although I think the reverse can be true, too. So yes, and. And I think sometimes we'll hear from um, a next generation, whether that's the second or the third or, mm-hmm. or even beyond that, that says the business has evolved and we need to do things differently, but um, I can't get my uncle, father, mother to sort of take that seriously. And if we don't adapt and they don't you know, create space for me or do things differently, we're, we're not going to succeed. Hmm. So it, that push comes from both perspectives, I think. So I imagine that the challenges of finding uh, harmony or you know, integration, many people call it balance, between work 
and family life is particularly difficult when they are the same. So how does that issue come up in your work with with clients? Uh, the the uh, the blending the the you know the fruitful blending of uh, of work and family life. It's a negotiation between among who what, whoever the family members are mm-hmm. um, about what constitutes a boundary. You know, speaking about it, mm-hmm. do we expect each other to work twenty four seven? I mean, that's common in many businesses. It's not just yes, family business, of course. Um, but I imagine it's particularly challenging when your 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 business partner is like maybe sleeping in the same bed as you. Uh, <laughs> if it's your, that's right? true. Yes, that's true. Or or you know lives in the house next door right, and yeah. is taking care of your kids during the day as part of what they do. Yeah, I I just want to raise um, many many years ago. I was working with a business that was a father and daughter, and um, if they loved each other, which takes families a long distance mm-hmm. in working these things out when people you know, actually admit that they love each other and really do love each other and mm-hmm. want it to work. Uh, but the, you know, after working on um, the daughter's role in particular, she says to her dad, I want to be your successor. I feel like I'm doing a great job. But if I don't have time off, you are not going to have grandchildren to take the business after me. Hmm. So, I mean, how poignant can you get? So, so what did Dad do in that? He just—it was like a lightning bolt. He hadn't thought of it. No, he hadn't thought about it. So, your work was in helping her to express that, express it, and then figure out what to do. Because she had a big—you know—we we were crafting a big job for her. Right. What do you do? So there isn't a singular, well, you shouldn't work on Saturday. There's the, what do you do in this situation mm-hmm. that's going to work for the the dad and the daughter, mm-hmm. the boss and the subordinate, mm-hmm. the, uh, the business getting done what it needed to get done. What's going to work in this situation? So first... Nancy, tell me what happened in that instance. And then Debbie, I want you to tell us like how you actually work with an organization like that. What do you do? So first, don't leave us, Cliff. And hang you off the cliff here. Well, she has three children. All right. And? Was she the successor? And she was the successor. Okay, so they figured it they out. They figured it out. How'd they do that? Do you, do you recall? Uh, well, it wasn't painless. Mm-hmm. It's hardly ever painless. Uh, but, you know, as I said... The the reward is way worth is way worth the pay, pain. What, what was the key to their successfully finding a solution? They put a uh, daycare center in the business that oh. was for her children and others' children. So that was a big thing. So on site, on site daycare made a huge difference. Ah, so a resource like that can really so that. The, Probably didn't take that long to figure that out, but uh, maybe it was an unusual thing for them it to was, actually yeah. come to, it took work to decide to, to invest in. Exactly. Hmm. I think what? it's connected to your question of what we do, that yes, one David. of the things that we see happening. So any of us in our jobs, we we have a bad day or we have a fight with our colleague. We go home, we complain. You know, that that's one thing to do when you're not inside of a family. So what if you're complaining to your spouse, who's part of this larger family system, who then the next week has you know, Sunday dinner with the extended family and is carrying the story that they heard from the spouse who's working so hard. So uh, connected to how we work with people is that I think that the stakeholder group that you have to think about in working with a business or an entity, a family organization, is both sort of the primary people involved, but also the larger system because you've got the family more broadly defined than those who may be showing up to the office in this particular case. So I think one of the things we're thoughtful about at the beginning is, first of all, um, what's the what's sort of the driving purpose? And can this family group talk with each other about what their aspirations are? Mm-hmm. People make all sorts of assumptions about that. We um, want to keep the business forever or... You want to be the successor or... They make assumptions that are often unspoken, you mean, about what their aspirations are for the future of their collective enterprise? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so part of the work at the front end is to say, you know, there's a reason that they call us. It's a, it's a conflict. It's a business dilemma. It's a sticking point of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, is to understand by talking with a wide range of people who are engaged to to understand the full picture and what would success look like if they solved this particular presenting situation, which mm-hmm. may be part of a larger set of issues. Probably often is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's it's a combination of, it sounds like in this case, Nancy's talking about, there was a lot of good sort of support of getting to the real conversation and working through that some way. Um, so there's a piece of that, but there's also a piece of creating the structures that are going to help them pursue their goals. So, for example, um, if there's a family that's struggling in business, as many do, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, that's a sort of fact of business and work anyway, and certainly of families, and yet that's rippling out into the family in a way that's having a negative effect on harmony, sometimes families create an organization or a family council or a family assembly, uh, Mm. a sort of separate structure where the family issues, those involved and not directly involved, can come together and work through issues or have a source of communication, taking them out of the business. So it's an example of coming up with what are the right ways to pursue goals and what are the outlets and structures you need to support the things that could get in your way, a place to work them through. A place to work them through, a place to talk about the issues in ways that 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 make sense. So you so you might have you might convene conversations that are just about the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just about the family and its connection to the business. So not just about the family. At least in terms of the way we work, the conversation. So you're not family therapists. We're not family therapists. People tell us it's quite therapeutic. <laughs> well, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but you have, but, to, and you have to know a lot about the dynamics of family yes, life, yes, of course. Yes, we do. And yes, yeah. You know, when we, when we, when this field started, um, uh, there were a handful of people working with family businesses. It was sort of a new thing. And when they grew up, they were told at places like Wharton, even, um, when you grow up, you'll get to be a big public company. Hmm. So you know, pet on the head, you family business. That's no longer true. Uh, um, that was the, the be-all, end-all. Yeah, for, for I think this. in business schools it was the, it was the aspire, aspiration, expected aspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and Big exit into the public yeah, markets. exactly. I mean, that was really all that existed in the 80s, all these new, way, new financial instruments, ways of get accessing capital, they didn't exist, or they didn't exist in a in a prominent way. Um, but back to we're not family therapists. The there was a handful of people who said, whatever their discipline, lawyers, therapists, business strategists, which mm-hmm. is where my original discipline. Um, we just don't know everything we need to know to help. Mm. We just. You know, we can do as much as we can do, but there's this whole area that's critical that we don't know enough about. And we would get together and talk about what we didn't know. And that was the, you know, that was the beginning of something called the Family Firm Institute. So ways of learning about the rest of the family business that doesn't get taught in your discipline of origin. Um, and because you, it is an interdisciplinary it is an inter- uh, enterprise. It has exactly. to be. Exactly. It has to be. You've yes. got family dynamics. Of course, you've got all aspects of, of strategy and organization. Yes. Um, and what are the other Wealth. Things? Wealth. You know, wealth is a big field now uh, because there have been all kinds of liquidity events, partial liquidity, totally sell the business. So wealth planning, wealth. Mm-hmm. What, to, what do we, how do we teach our children to be responsible and and your firm offers the, that full range of uh, of services on those questions. Debbie, you were about to respond. Well, I think one of the one of the great things about working in this field is it's uh, it's interdisciplinary by definition. So if we mm-hmm. we work with a family business, there's reasons that they need lawyers or accountants or you know behavioral specialists. So we in our firm we have um, sort of skills on both the hard and soft side, getting at the relationships and performance, but we often are collaborating with others who are not in our firm, but people that will work with lawyers or accountants or others because, 
you know, families are systems and they need lots of different things. And to the extent that those resources can, can be connected in support of an ultimate goal, we're doing better for our clients. So, so what's, what's the most fun that you have doing what you do working in family, family-owned enterprises where it's, 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 it's fraught with uh, all kinds of uh, conflict but also must be the source of much, much joy? What's the most fun for you, Debbie? Well, I, I think a, a couple of things. One is, you know, right at the center of the theme of your show, right? This is work that calls on every part of you. And I can say that both for the family businesses and for me along for the ride and helping them, right? So um, it, it makes you think about your own family of origin and your placement in that and, you know, the work you choose to do because of that. It draws on... Uh, the skills you've learned in school, it draws on your best instincts, it, it connects community and passion and all of those things. Um, so it's incredibly fulfilling, exhausting, mm-hmm. but fulfilling. Um, and I think, you know, the best career advice I always got along the way was go work for people who you can learn from. Um, mm-hmm. In some ways, who cares what it is, but find mentors, find people you can learn from. And as an advisor to family businesses, you know, that, that learning never stops. I'm full of admiration for the tremendous amount of work that our clients put into what they do and the, the heart and hard work they bring to the problems we're working with them on. And um, I'm always learning. So that's mm. that's an amazing thing to be able to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even even now as president, right? Uh, I'm sure right. you're probably learning really fast. Right. A lot of things <laughs> that you didn't even think you had to learn about. No one's a fully formed professional, right? Ever, and who would want to be? <laughs> right? Who would want to be? Why not continue <laughs> yeah. the learning journey always, Nancy? What about for you? What's what's the uh, the most fun about uh, working in it, this kind of uh, field. It's a lot of what Debbie was saying, that it draws on every ounce of everything you are and know and believe to contribute to another uh, family economic enterprise, you know, to, to help in some way their success. And I would say, you know, the thing that's rewarding, first of all, um, I would say, and my clients know, I'm I'm inspired and chronically weeping at their courage. Hmm. I mean, it's just courage amazing courage to speak about things that are hard to talk about with hmm. their brother or their sister, or reveal something about themselves that they'd really rather not. Can, can you think so, of an example yeah, without so giving a specific uh, reference so, to particular people? We we were working with a, a transportation company, three brothers, and uh, you know this was a family where the eldest was in charge and the other two were subordinate and had you know sort of divisions of their own, and the business was faltering, and we were called because of that that the business was mm-hmm. having tr- having trouble. And uh, after some work on what was the source of the difficulty um, in one of our meetings, and we meet on a regular basis with the key people, both family and non-family, and, you know, typically our clients are not very small businesses. Um, the, the three brothers who were the shareholders, the eldest, who was the head-been CEO for probably 15 years, stood up and said, I can see that I am not the person who should be leading this business. Hmm. I think it needs to be you. And it happened to be pointed to his young, the youngest. Hmm. Um, this is like the godfather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, oh, my God. This was a courageous act, the right thing to do for the business in mm-hmm. terms of skills. Do you agree? I agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't for me to say, you stink, you should do the job. But he found it in himself he to found... be able to not only know that, but also to put it out there, to say it. Yes. Hmm. That, we see that on a regular basis. I mean, there are many times when we don't see it, and we mm-hmm. strive to enable people to to see whatever the truth is, whatever it is, about the leadership the ownership mm-hmm. of their business that provides 
you know, their living, the living for their families, all the people who work for them. It's a thing in their community, wherever they are. Typically, family businesses are big contributors to their communities. Yeah. So there's a lot at stake. So, so what inspires you? What I hear you speaking to is is the uh, the um, the ability to find uh, ways to say what what needs to be said, and is often so difficult to do. But, but particularly when you're speaking to your brother or your father or your mother or your sister, um, and, and and how transformative that must be. It is transformative, uh, and, and and emotionally compelling. I'm right. sure. Uh, so how do you help? How do you help people get there? What's what's the uh, the secret sauce of your method to help people come to know and be able to express what really matters most to them, and to to to, to be able to build t- together to a, to a future that makes sense to all members of the of the family-owned enterprise? I'll say a little bit, and then I'll you know Debbie yeah. jump in. Um, we have a we do have a method. And in our getting to know you, what we would call getting to know you, getting to know what's the situation that a client is facing, we uh, suspend judgment um, so that we really can hear what we'll do a standard financial analysis. We'll take a look at the industry. We'll look at the business and what are its challenges owned by whoever, anybody. We'll look at the family. We'll look at the leadership. We'll do our own kind of um, so, current state, uh, and um, the thing that we are able to do, I think, that I feel really proud about is the way we provide that back, not just a regurgitation of what they already know, but mm-hmm. a way of being provocative and and uh, thought-provoking in how they see their business and how they see their relationships mm-hmm. and why things are the way they are. And there's perfectly good reasons why they are they mm-hmm. are why they are the way they so are. So you do a diagnostic analysis that yes. then requires a lot of care and attention to thinking about how you're going to express what you see uh, in this in this system that is a family mm-hmm. and, a, and, a, and a business. Yes. Uh, and and that really is an incredible skill. And I know from having read some of the things that some of your other founders have read, including what you have. Uh, I'm speaking specifically about Tom Gilmore and Larry Hirshhorn, who mm-hmm. are friends and colleagues for 30 years of, of mine, as, as you are, Nancy. Um, that the 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 craft, the intelligence, the the depth, and the uh, the way in which you know you all write to your various external constituencies, not just your clients, but also to, to others interested in, in, the, in the work that you do, really opens up conversation. So that's, a, that's an important part of what you do to get things going. Uh, Thank you. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so true. I think but just to pick up on that, that the, that's an incredibly important part. Um, and then I think the second important part is not to just leave them there, right? So there's mm. many kinds of consulting and some will provide wide counsel, wise counsel and advice. I think what you do with that, you know, if you've been provocative and you've opened up a different kind of thinking, then what? Yes. <laughs> and just a story came to mind here, which was another act of courage this time by kind of a cousin's generation. So this was a large manufacturing business. It was being uh, run by a sibling group um, of four people. It had had been founded by their parents and this sibling group had always been in tremendous conflict with each other they had different views about the direction of growth for the business they had different Mm -hmm. ideas about each other's wives they you know conflict in every sense embedded in the business and in their personal relationships yet they soldiered on they did pretty well with this business Mm -hmm. a number of their children came into it so Mm -hmm. fast forward to those children being you know now in their 30s working in this business this is third generation now third generation okay right Mm -hmm. so cousins Mm -hmm. first time that you've got people who haven't grown up in the same household Mm -hmm. (laughs) working Mm -hmm. in a business together which is always introduces a level of complexity and opportunity and the the thought was that the cousins generation would just line up behind their branch of the family and in some ways that was their father's expectations to sort of hold the point of view of the conflict that they each held and you know continue to soldier on and and one of the things that 
happened in this family was that this group of cousins, you know, sort of after this diagnostic phase, we proposed working with this next generation who was feeling some impatience and concern and, you know, wondering what the future held when things mm. felt so difficult to work with that group and have them think together about their aspirations for the business and what they thought it would take to sort of turn the corner strategically, because in this case, the business was also undergoing some challenges um, as kind of an old school manufacturing company that mm -hmm. needed to evolve. And they came back to their parents' generation and said... Um, well, so first tell me how you did that. How you helped them to to come to uh, a, a common understanding? Like what what happened? What well, you... they all had very strong views mm -hmm. about what they were seeing and experiencing, yet they weren't talking with each other. And in part because the parents had set this up right as sort of silos that coexisted but didn't interact because that's where the conflict existed. Mm -hmm. So part of it was to give this group a, a charge, right, authorized by their parents' generation to say, okay, if you want this business and you want to, you know, talk about the future of it, help come up with some ideas about what the strategic opportunities are here and also come back to us with your recommendations. So so you met with them individually, collectively? To both. So first individually mm -hmm. to make sure we had the full lay of the land of their perspectives and mm -hmm. where in fact the differences were and where there were some shared views. And then through a series of meetings with them together, very well structured with clear agendas, but enough space to do the kind of, you know, deep conversation that Nancy's referred to, but also knowing that at the end of the day, they had a deliverable to work towards, which was to use their best knowledge of this business and their family and to make recommendations back to their parents' generation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So courage on the part of the parents who didn't get along, um, to you know, the sibling group, this activity to authorize occur. it, mm -hmm. and courage on the part of the next generation who, you know, we helped them over a series of meetings come up with recommendations and their message back to their parents, which was make some room for us, and we're not going to sustain the conflicts you have. We're going to actually work together. So what happened? Um, you know, they're partway through their transition. So two of the four um, have assumed leadership roles, and they still meet regularly long after we were the ones creating that meeting to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the business is doing pretty well. So, so much of what it is that you do, as I understand it, is 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 really creating the conditions for fruitful conversation uh, about the things that matter, both within the family and its, its its collective aspirations, as well as for the the needs of the the long term needs of the business. Uh, conversation that that doesn't doesn't otherwise occur. Is that is that an accurate portrayal? I think it it's accurate, but not complete. Mm -hmm. um, so people imagine, because when they were five, they had this fight with their whoever, their dad or their sibling, they, and so they don't want to do that again. So they imagine an mm. outcome from a conversation that's just so horrible that why go there? But archaic. But archaic, mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, I think part of what we do is help them say that was then, this is now, mm -hmm. let's give it a shot. Mm. That's part of it. Um, the other piece is once they're able to have a conversation and see that the world doesn't end, the that mm. we also hold their feet to the fire. Okay, now what are you going to do? What's going to be different? What are some actions that you can take? Mm -hmm. What are some things that can uh, manifest these new ways of interacting or roles that you might have? Let's make it real. Mm -hmm. So we do that too. That's so, what Debbie was saying. We don't just leave them hanging. We we stick mm -hmm. with it to some uh, evidence that's in their you know in their in the service of their own interests. Let's just turn the corner. So so it's it's about not just talking. It's problem solving and making decisions and and, and, and getting things done together. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I'm sure that involves people saying, you know what, this isn't for me. I want out. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that has to you must deal with that on a daily basis. Well, and I think normalizing that choice is really important. Mm -hmm. Right. So you look at successful big family businesses um, and they have created ways that people can exit either from a management mm -hmm. role or even from an ownership role sometimes. And I think, you know, so 
in contrast to when we talked about on the early days when if you left you were a pariah right giving people mechanisms both not only a way to talk about it but specific structures and mechanisms and some practice um that must be so helpful to people who otherwise would feel trapped in a in a in a life in a role that that is not who they want to be that's probably not good for anybody of course it's not good for anybody so So, so you as an organization are in the midst of a transition from one generation to the next. Yes, I'm, we are. I, I'm looking yeah. at it. Yes. <laughs> how how yes. is that playing out for you, and who's helping you with that? <laughs> we've had we've had various helpers along the way, different parts of it. Um, what's 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 been what's been what's it been like for you to be a part of that uh, as a kind of uh, meta analysis here of what you do and doing it as you're trying to help other people to do it? Well, I think the act of doing it ourselves is helpfully and incredibly humbling, right? So to sort of experience that it's both rewarding and challenging to work a succession process. And we're not, we're not family, but there, you know, mm-hmm. there are a group of five founders and there's a, a cadre of kind of next generation owners and to sort of work through to the point where now we have a next generation member leading the firm. It's, it's hard work and rewarding work. So I think it, we know what we're asking our clients to do and it's not easy. So um, I'm, I'm sure you are reflective of the, you know, the process as you're going through it. Um, I'm curious to know what, what's the, what's the big thing that you want to change as a, as a new president? An easy question, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're at the heart of it here. They're they're both scowling at me, folks. (laughs) Uh, You know, the the founder side of it. She's buying me a little time. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, think about it. Um, The founder side of it is, you know, here we've been advising for uh, me for more than 30 years. And I think, you know, I think in general our advice has been pretty good. Um, But the living it. It, it really deepens the sense of what am I asking people to do? Because I feel what I'm asking myself to do in letting go of. Oh, so you have so much more empathy now. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> really? For, for, I for thought the, I was an empathetic person. I had no idea. Until you lived it until yourself. Until I'm living like, it Oh, myself. wow, I have to let go. Oh, and I have my to... God. I give have authority to, to people that I wouldn't otherwise have had to do. Yeah, and, I have and, to maybe and, not step in, and maybe I need mm-hmm. to not do, you know, not. So how are you managing that? I mean, it's, 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 it's and, making you wiser and more effective, I'm sure, with your clients. But day to day, I think we, you know, I the the main lesson is you need a good pair. So. Mm. So there's a ton of trust here, mm-hmm. um, and I think that you know that's a big factor and she's she's way better than i am so that's a help <laughs> it is helpful when yeah. the next generation <laughs> is better. better that's how it's supposed to be exactly <laughs> right in well, families and in business so, yeah. so uh, debbie do yeah well, i think what, what i was going to say is so you know one of the things that oh, drew me to see far from the beginning and is a important part of who we are is that it's a place, as you said, with ideas and real intellectual rigor and, you know, sort of theory and practice, and it draws in every part of yourself. And it's different to be a second generation than a founding generation. So mm-hmm. the founders lived it, took the risk of creating the private company together. And I think the, the what we're in pursuit of is what's that powerful second generation experience. So in some ways, um, the aspiration to both build on this tremendous foundation of who we are that was created by our founders, yet find the place where this growing next generation feels its own potence and their own ideas and sort of an evolution of who are we going to be in this world that builds on this past, but maybe maybe a little different. The consulting world is different than it was mm-hmm. 30 years ago. So I think it's... Um, so can you give me a hint as to like what is behind that in terms of like a, a directional, you know... Aspiration that you see that that you see that Nancy might not have seen. I think organizations are more sophisticated they the now than they were mm-hmm. when the field started, and so I think the challenge. It's a funny parallel challenge. Our challenge is to really make the case that we deeply believe that the the power of the collective in complicated organizations that no longer operate in command and control kinds of mm-hmm. ways can 
be inspiring and impactful in the world. And yet, you know, we've got to do that ourselves too. Hmm. Um, so some, some in, enrichment in, in the complexity of how you operate mm-hmm. sounds like is something that you've been thinking about. All right. So we, we only have just a couple minutes left here. I wonder if you could offer um, one quick word of advice, each of you, as, for people who are out there. What's the big idea that you would offer for people who are in family businesses now that, that you think would be useful for them to keep in mind? Just 15 seconds. Have a big, have a big purpose. Have, a, have something that's bigger than you. Mm. That will take you a long distance. That's collective. That involves everybody, yeah. yeah. And uh, be guided by what your passion is and what you find most meaningful. And, you know, finding there's lots of ways to find a place for that in a family business. But um, sort of have your own vision and aspiration and be guided by that. Tell us, uh, Debbie, what, how can people find out more about the great work that CIFAR does? Lots of ways. So feel free to check out our website at www.cfar.com. C-F-A-R. C-F-A-R.com. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of resources to read there or, you know, contact information. We're in Boston and Philadelphia and work everywhere. And work everywhere. Yes, mm-hmm. we do. So when you say everywhere, you mean? Everywhere. Around the world. Mm-hmm. Do you have clients not just here in the States, but? Uh, Mostly in the States, but not only in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for people who are thinking of creating a family business, if you could ask, we just have a, another couple seconds. Uh, any advice that you want to offer uh, here as we're as we're uh, concluding about that? Well, if you want, if you yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to do it, do it. There's no one right way. And there's no, there's you know, there's no substitute for acting. I think you know, we tell our clients that too. So, don't be afraid to take a risk. Go for it and learn from it. Learn from it. I think that that's the thing that I take away uh, from from hearing you speak about um, what you do is how important it is to find ways to enable people to talk and to reflect on what they're doing so that they can be um, honest with themselves, honest with each other, uh, to get to the truth of where they want to go together. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nancy Drosdow and Debbie Bing of CIFAR, originally the Center for Applied Research, and that this episode gave you some new ideas, things that you might think about and perhaps act on differently. Here's, here's something for you to consider. Let me offer a challenge to you, an invitation. Building on the idea we discussed at some length just now about communication between the different generations. Now, in a family business, so much is intertwined. Business, management, uh, ownership, and, of course, family relationships. For many of us not working in family businesses, uh, you know, these, these relationships are separate, but they still affect each other. So your relationship with your children or with your parents has some, some impact on what you do with your work and your career, Right? Perhaps this is not something that you think about a lot. Maybe it's something that is uh, deeply a part of your thinking every day because there's a a conflict there or a great source of joy and support from your parents or from your kids. So here is my challenge, my invitation to you. Think about whether it's looking up to your parents or down, as it were, to your children, is there something in those relationships, some aspect of those relationships where there's something that needs to be said that hasn't been, or there's an area of uh, confusion or just ambiguity as to what it is that you expect of each other. We talk a lot on our show about clarifying mutual expectations as, a, as one of the keys to finding harmony among the different parts of life. And here I want to bring your attention particularly to expectations uh, 
in your family with the people who brought you into this world, your parents, or those you are bringing up into this world, your children? Is there some issue, some idea uh, about which it would be helpful to talk and to clarify expectations? And if there is such an idea, one that influences your business life, your career, how could you talk with them about it and how, by doing so, would that help your career, your business life, your plans for the future? Just think about that, and my guess is that if you do spend a minute or so just thinking about that, that you'll probably come up with uh, a way to approach that conversation, even though it might cause you some, well, a bit of anxiety. So how would you approach that conversation? That's my challenge to you, my invitation. Consider that, and then, if you have a mind to, act on it. Have that conversation. Well, I hope you do this, and that if you do, you'll let me know what you discover. As ever, I love hearing from you. You can write to me, friedman at wharton.upenn.edu, or on Twitter, at Stu Friedman. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.